morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for showing up today at your house on Sunday morning. Now we just pray the next few minutes you would speak to every one of us something that's pertinent right where we are to how we're living, where we're living, and how you can move us forward in you. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. I'm going to begin to read in just a few minutes from Mark chapter 4. I'm going to refer to probably another three passages of Scripture. Well, I'll refer to more than that. I'm going to read from probably three other passages of Scripture. We'll have it all on the screen, but you can follow along with us. I've got some things in my heart that I want to cover quickly today, so I really need to move fast, but I think it's important for this moment in which we're living. I want to talk to you today about the peace process. The peace process. I'm not talking about Iraq. I'm not talking about Afghanistan. I'm not talking about Ukraine. I'm not talking about the Middle East. I'm talking about what's going on in your heart and in your mind and your relationship with God. The peace process. And you know, we as believers have to learn that establishing God's peace in our life is indeed a bit of a process, an ongoing process. And the truth of the matter is, there's always an ongoing battle in our lives of fear versus peace. It comes with life. It comes with the territory. There's always a battle going on. There are things that come along unexpectedly that we don't know how to handle. And if we don't know how to deal with those situations, we tend to fall into confusion. And then confusion can cause us to fall into fear. And if we don't know how to do it, how to deal with it before long, we can actually fall into an overwhelming spirit of fear where we're just paralyzed, not knowing how to move forward in life. The good news is, God does not give us fear. I got one amen. Can I get two? God does not. No, he does not. Scripture says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy chapter 1. Romans 8, 15 says, we did not receive the spirit of bondage to lead us back into fear, but we received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, God is our Father. We don't have to be afraid of what life can send our way. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. It's interesting, I was studying this week, so many of the letters written in the New Testament begin with peace to you, peace to you, peace to you. How many of you know today God wants you to live in peace? God wants us to live in peace. So we're going to look at the peace process today. I want to start with the familiar story, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to read through this story quickly and then give you some observations. Mark 4, verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Notice Jesus' words. Get in the boat. We're going to cross over the sea to the other side. Verse 36. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat. Now, there's a picture being painted here, so don't just read the words. See the picture. There's this boat with Jesus and the disciples. There are other little boats following along. A windstorm comes up out of nowhere, and the waves begin to toss into the boats, the water spilling in. Verse 38 goes on to say, But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. They awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Notice those words. We are in the process of dying here. We are all about to be destroyed, boat, lives, everything in the boat. We're about to lose it all. Don't you care? Verse 39, then Jesus arose. He rebuked the wind. Notice this. He rebuked the wind. He spoke to the wind, rebuked it, and then he said to the sea, peace be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But Jesus said to them, now, Picture it now. Everything calms down. Everything gets settled. Okay, okay, okay. The disciples are kind of like, wow. What just happened? Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea 
obey him. The first thing I want you to notice as I introduce this topic to you today is sometimes storms arise in life out of nowhere, unexpectedly. We're on God's course for our life. We're doing what God's told us to do. He said, get in the boat, let's go to the other side. We got work to do there. We get in the boat, we start the journey, and suddenly, unexpectedly, a storm arises, and our first conclusion is, oh my God, what's going on? It's not supposed to be this way. Why are we so amazed, and why are we so shocked when the enemy throws a storm our way when we're trying to do God's will? We're doing God's will. You need to learn to expect a few storms. It's okay if they come along. God knew they were coming before they got there. He knows the end from the beginning. And in life, there are going to be unexpected storms. You know what I, you know what, one of the things I hate about life? Sometimes you encounter storms that you don't deserve. Okay? I mean, I don't like it when I get things I do deserve, but I really don't like it when I get things I don't deserve. That's not fair we live in a world today that constantly hear injustice 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 can i tell you something life is filled with injustices stuff happens that you don't deserve but how you deal with it determines the condition of your heart the condition of your mind so we see this storm arise and i want you to notice if you would the two conclusions here the storm arises the disciples wake up Jesus and said, the boat's filling with water. It's about to sink. We're all going to die. We're, we're, this is the end of the road for us. Don't you care about what's going on? Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind, speaks to the sea, commands everything to settle down. And the disciples are like, ooh, what just happened? It's funny. The disciples said, teacher, you don't call out Lord, God, Jesus, Savior. Teacher, they're still trying to figure out who Jesus is. Teacher, teacher, don't you care what's going on? He settles it all down, and their reaction, their conclusion is, woo, the wind and the sea, they obey this guy. Ooh, something amazing. Can't you hear the words of relief? Ooh, we're not going to die after all. Ooh, that's their conclusion. It also says they were fearfully overwhelmed by it all here they are going Ooh. but it's like what do we say and do next that's their conclusion and it's interesting i want to challenge you for a moment put yourself in the sandals of the disciples okay put yourself on the boat these guys are fishermen they're not novices it's not like they've never been out in the boat they've never been in a storm sure they've seen all this before most of these guys are fishermen and yet this storm has overwhelmed them to the point where they know they're about to die. It's probably the worst they've ever seen. As they're trying to sort all this out, put yourself in their place. They were afraid. How many of you think you might have been a little bit afraid? See, I think most of us would. Then the second part of this, it's interesting that they cried out to Jesus. Isn't that what you would do if you were in a storm and you thought you were about to die? I mean, oftentimes it's our last resort. It's the last thing we do. When we figure out we can't deal with it, we cry out to God. That's what we're supposed to do. But Jesus spoke to the storm and he ended it. Or did he? Because you see, the disciples had one conclusion. Jesus has another conclusion. They're sitting there going, ooh, we call him teacher, but did you see what the teacher just did? Ooh, who is this guy? Ooh. Jesus' conclusion is twofold. He asked two questions. Number one, why were you so fearful? Why were you so fearful? And then the second question is, how is it that you have no faith? See, I think those are two important questions because as we learn to walk with God, as we learn to encounter the problems, the challenges, the storms of life, there are going to be times when things don't go the way we want it to go. There are going to be times when we get shaken to, to the very root of our being and the core of our being and we wonder, wow, what am I going to do? We cry out to God and he intervenes and then our response is, ooh, did you see what God did? And yet God's saying, why were you so afraid from the start? 
See, he's talking about growing. He's talking about maturity. He's talking about understanding. Coming to a place when a challenge comes our way, instead of panicking and falling apart in fear, we stop and look at what's going on and realize who's in the boat with us. Can I tell you, if Jesus is in your boat, you're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Even if he's asleep, even if you're not hearing him speak to you, in the middle of the storm, it's going to be okay. But then the second thing Jesus said is, not just why were you so fearful, but how is it that you have no faith? Look at what they did. They panicked. They went, ran and woke up Jesus. Don't you care what's happening? Jesus looked at that and said, that's an act of little faith or no faith. Now, I know this is challenging this morning. Let me give you a couple things. I believe the disciples' conclusion to the story revealed their lack of understanding, number one, of who Jesus was, and number two, what his intentions were for their lives. See, they didn't understand who was in the boat with them, so they panicked. And then number two, they didn't understand. He just told them, we're going to the other side of the sea. They misunderstood his intentions for their life. We're going to die out here in the middle of this. No, they're not. Jesus said we're going to the other side. And I think sometimes we have to look at ourselves, and when we read these stories from the Bible, we have to ask ourselves the same questions that Jesus is asking the disciples. Let me ask you today. If you're in the middle of the storm, how do you respond? How do you respond? I also believe Jesus' two questions revealed that there was a learning process for them and a learning process for us. We want God to quiet the storm. God wants us to learn to live in his peace. Can I hear one amen in the house? God wants us to learn to live in peace, and we're wanting him to just quiet the storm and make the problems go away. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. If you open up your dictionary, it'll tell you that peace is the absence of conflict. But that's not scriptural. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God in your life. It's Jesus being in the boat with you. That's where peace comes from. Now, let's look at this. I want to show you three main thoughts today about peace in this process of peace. Number one... When I ask the question, where does peace come from? Where does peace come from? We're going to look at Isaiah 53 because it's a painting. It's a description of the cross several hundred years before Jesus was even born, before he ever went to the cross. But Isaiah 53, verse 5 says this. He was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. What does it say next? The chastisement for our peace was upon him. We're going to stop right there. The chastisement, the beating, the punishment, the payment for your peace and my peace was on Jesus on the cross. Now, we don't have the cross on the stage this morning, so let's just imagine we've got the cross right over here. Picture Jesus on that cross. One of the things Jesus was doing on that cross was he was paying for you and me to be able to live in life with peace. Because Jesus did a lot of things on the cross. And this verse alone gives you three or four things. But Jesus went to the cross in part to bring us back into relationship with God so we could have the peace of God. It's interesting. If you go back in Scripture, back to the beginning and start reading from Genesis, the first time you ever see fear in the Bible is when Adam and Eve sinned as soon as they sinned, they knew they had sinned. They realized they were naked. They realized, uh-oh, we've done something we're not supposed to do. Something's wrong. Something's not the way it used to be. Immediately they knew it. The next thing you know, they hear the voice of God coming down to spend time with them. And what do they do? They run and hide. God comes along and says, Adam, where are you? How many of you know you play hide and seek with God? He already knows where you are. <laughs> you may think you're well hidden. Oh, I got the right, I got the right leaves on. He won't, he won't notice me. No, God knew right where he was. God wasn't looking for information. He was looking for Adam. Adam, do you know where you are? Do you know what's going on? Adam says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I ran and hid myself because I was naked and I was afraid. Can I tell you what really is, is at the root of fear? The root of fear is when we wind up in the presence of God 
and we know we're uncovered, we're exposed, and we are lost, we are sinners, and we cannot measure up to God's standard. That's the root of fear. But here's what gets interesting about this. Jesus went to the cross to wipe that fear out of our lives. The chastisement for our peace, that means you and me. Everybody say our. Okay, if it's for our, then it also means for me, for my peace, for mine. The payment for my peace was upon Jesus. Colossians 1.20 says that Jesus made peace for us through the blood of his cross. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that the peace of God frees us from fear because it deals with the very root of fear, which is the fear of death and eternity, standing before God. Now, I told you the kind of root of fear. Let me show you the, the, the very beginning of peace. Peace begins when you can stand in the presence of God and feel no condemnation for your sin. Because you know, if my life ends today, I know where I'm going I know who I'm going to be with. I don't have to be afraid of God. I've accepted the sacrifice Jesus made for me in the cross. I am in right standing with God. I don't have to be afraid of anything that ever happens to me in this life, at death, or in the world to come because I know where I'm going and who I'm going to be with. That's where peace begins. That is where peace begins. So the first part of this message, where does peace come from? Peace comes from the cross. It begins at the cross. When I go to the cross and I accept Jesus' sacrifice for my sin and God washes away my sin, suddenly the fear is removed. I am now a child of God. We sang about it this morning. I'm a child of God. I don't have to be afraid of God anymore. I don't have to be afraid of what's going on in this life. I don't have to be afraid of the storm. I don't even have to be afraid of dying. I don't have to be afraid of standing before God because I am a child of God. I have peace with God. I have peace with God because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Peace begins when there's no fear of God. But notice this. Once I have peace with God, now I'm positioned so I can enjoy the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God until first you've made peace with God. But once you've made peace with God, now you are qualified to enjoy the peace of God. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. That word troubled means to be stirred or to be agitated. It's like that sea with the disciples in the boat. The sea was agitated and stirred up. Jesus said, don't let your heart be agitated and stirred and troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Now, notice those words. Don't let it be that way. Don't let it be stirred. Don't let it be afraid. Come to a place where you understand who Jesus is, what his intentions are for your life, what your standing is with God, and then take your place in the family of God and realize God is going to take care of me. I don't have to be afraid of what anybody can do to me. God's called us to that place. And once I've made peace with God, peace is a part of my birthright. Once I've made peace with God, I'm qualified. I have a right, you have the right, to live with the peace of God covering everything going on in your life. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. The fruit of the Spirit is what the Spirit of God produces in our lives. Did you know when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, did you know the Spirit of God comes and lives in you, regenerates you, gives you that new birth, makes you alive in Christ? When he does that, he moves inside. He brings the character and the nature of God. And part of the character and nature of God is peace. So you see, peace is not the absence of problems and conflict. Peace is the presence of God that causes everything to be settled because you know where you are and where you're going in God. It settles everything. 
John 16, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What he's telling us is, my peace will cover every challenge you will ever face in this life. I want to tell everybody in this building today, left to right, front, all the way to the top, I want to tell you, God's peace will cover any situation you're facing. Any situation you ever face, God's peace will cover it. As a matter of fact, there's an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. We usually talk about it at Christmas time. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. It tells us that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And it goes on to say, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What that tells us is God's kingdom and God's peace just keeps growing and increasing and growing and increasing. In other words, you may have had some big problems in the past, but when bigger problems come along, God's peace will get bigger for that situation you're about to face. God has provided peace for our lives. The psalmist said it this way, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, because you're with me. Did you know when you've got God's peace, you don't even have to be afraid of death? I've been at the bedside of so many people, up in years, lived long lives, walking with God, and I've watched them when they get close to death, and I've never seen one of them afraid of death. Because God's with them. God's peace is established in their hearts. Number two, the second part of this peace process. First, we talked about where does peace come from? It comes from the cross. Number two, how do I receive that peace? You know, I teach this from time to time. In the New Testament, when it says we are to receive from God or we can receive from God, that word receive doesn't mean this. It means this. Reach up by faith and take what God is extending to us. It starts with salvation. We're saved by grace, extended to us from God, through faith when we reach up to God and receive what he's giving to us. To receive from God means to reach up and take what he's handing us. He gives in grace, we receive in faith. But how do I receive God's peace? Well, number two, God's peace is received by faith. It's by us reaching up and taking what he's promised to us. 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read a couple verses to you right here. And I want you to follow with me and notice the words because they're so important. Verse 2, Peter said this, Grace and peace, there's that word peace, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God. Pause here just a moment. As you learn about God, as you learn his word, as you learn what he's promised to us, his grace and his peace begins to multiply because you learn more of what God has for you. One of the reasons we don't live in peace is because we don't know what's ours. We don't know what God's given to us. It goes on to say this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue. God's power has given us everything that we're going to need in this life. Next verse says this. By which you've been given, or which have been given to us, exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, let me talk to you about this for a minute. There are so many things that God has given to us. These scriptures say that he's given us everything we're ever going to need for this life. That's why Jesus told the disciples and the people following him in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Don't worry about it. You just deal with today. When you get to tomorrow, it'll be okay. Why? Because God's already given us everything we need for, for life and godliness. But he goes on to say in this passage of Scripture, God gives us these things in the form of a promise. It's very important you understand that. Because see, there are a lot of Christians who are saying, well, I don't understand. I prayed the magic prayer, and I don't understand. I, everything hasn't changed. I don't know why God hasn't just dropped all this stuff in my life. He's waiting for you to receive it. 
by faith. The same way you receive Christ. Every, it's a principle of the kingdom of God. God makes promises. He promises blessing. And we reach up and we grab it by faith and we receive it. So God makes promises. Here's what God says. Jesus said, I'll keep you in peace. I'll give you peace. The world around you can't give you real peace, but I'll give you peace. Well, you need to receive that. You need to accept that. See, some of us, well, I don't know if I believe that. That's the problem. We don't believe it. We receive these things by faith. He gives us the blessing of God in the form of a promise, and he looks for us to reach up by faith and say, God, I'll take that. I will receive that into my life. I'll receive this by faith. Peace is given in the form of a promise, then it becomes my responsibility to receive what God's promised by faith. Now, I, I'm going I'm to get down to the nitty-gritty here. One of the things I try to do most Sundays, I try to share things that are just basic that everybody can grasp, but I also try to share a couple of things that dig a little bit deeper. So I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. How many will give me about three or four minutes here to dig deep? Okay, stay with me, okay? I think so far it's pretty simple. But now we're about to get into something that's really important. It's a little bit beyond the milk, but it's important that you get this. My life, your life, is going to be ruled and governed by what you believe. Now God has said a lot of things. God has promised a lot of things. But some of us don't believe some of the things God's promised. Every now and then, I, somebody will take pictures during the service. You know, we have a team that takes pictures for promo and website and stuff. Every now and then, somebody will take pictures, and, or I'll look at the video of a message, and I'll think, man, Pastor Gary looks so serious. So let me, let me laugh here for a minute with you, okay? Our lives are going to be ruled and governed by what we believe. Let me go one step further with this. The only authority God has in my life is what I believe he has and what I give back to him. See, God created us with the will. And when we say, well, yeah, God, I believe this part, but I'm not sure about that part, God says, okay, you don't have to have it if you don't want it. I'm, I'm extending it to you in the form of a promise. I promise I'll give this to you if you want it. Well, I'm not sure that's really, that's really something you're going to give me. Now, somebody's going to say, well, this guy is harsh on me. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you today. The only authority God has in your life is what you believe him for. Probably. Everybody say probably. See, I'm not God. I don't have the final word. But probably the only things you're going to receive from God is what you believe him for. For the most part. Now, I know he drops things into our lives. I realize that. But for the most part... We walk in what we believe for. So if we don't believe for something, we don't expect God to do it. Well, God's not all that concerned about doing it because we don't believe him to start with. What does God want from us above all else? He wants to be believed. He wants you to believe him. Now let me flip this over. What authority does Satan have in your life? What authority does fear have in your life? The only authority Satan and fear has in your life is what you give him, what you believe him for. If you believe he can destroy you, you're going to live in fear. If you believe he can steal your health, you're going to live in fear. If you believe he can steal your finances, you're going to live in fear. If you believe he can steal your children and your family, you're going to live in fear. If you believe he can steal your husband or your wife, you're going to live in fear. It's going to poison that relationship. Jesus said the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Which do you believe today? That Satan's going to steal and kill and destroy you and your family and your dreams and everything that you've ever worked for? Or do you believe that Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundantly? Which do you believe? Let this sink in today. Because you see... There is a process to learning to live with the peace of God. Because storms happen. Storms happen. Things happen. They come out of nowhere. Crossing the sea, and here it came out of nowhere. God, what is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I told you, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Just trust me. Trust me. 
And yet sometimes, some of us expect, we get out of bed in the morning and we expect the worst. We expect sickness. We expect disease. We expect destruction. We expect loss. I'm going to lose everything. I'm, uh, I'm not going to have anything. Oh, if I can just get to the finish line. God doesn't want us to just crawl to the finish line. He wants us to run across the finish line knowing who he is, who we're running to, and where we're going. So lift up your head and realize this is all temporary and where we're going is eternal. God's already got it covered. So just stop and trust him that it's all going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Some of you are in a storm right now. Some of you are facing some things you don't know what to do with. And there's this battle with fear going on. Let me ask you a question today. What do you believe? Who do you believe? Peace is received and established in our lives by faith. It's a process. Can I go one step further? I taught this several months ago. You never, you never get to stop living by faith. Some of you are saying, well, I'll be glad when I can get a little further down the road so I can stop living by faith. Scripture says the just shall live by faith. It says it at least three times. The justified are going to learn to live by faith. We have to learn to live by faith, not by sight and what we see and what we know in the natural world. We have to learn to live by what God says about things rather than what everything else says about things. That's the journey of faith that we're on. Now, here, here's the thing. Some of us have been walking with God for a lot of years, and we've just kind of learned, you know what, I'm just going to walk through this and trust God it's going to be okay. Some of us are just starting out in the journey. We're just learning these things. Don't be discouraged. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not putting some people up here, some down there. It's a walk that you grow into. It's a walk of maturity, but it is a process, and learning to live in peace is a process. It's always going on because Satan is hammering every crack that he sees in our lives trying to get a foothold to take us back into fear in bondage who do you believe today my iPad went out on me I talked too long without moving it number three how many enjoyed that four minutes right there that was a good one <clears throat> number three how do I keep God's peace here's what I found with Christians we go to the cross, we accept God into our lives, He changes us, we, we start this brand new walk with God, we're living in peace, storms begin to come along, we start panicking, but God always comes through. And after a while, we start learning, wow, God is good, He is going to take care of me. See, Romans 8 tells us all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So even when you're in a storm, don't worry about it. Trust God. It's going, to work. it's going to work for good. God's going to turn it all around. He knows what he's doing. The disciples in the boat didn't understand that. You and I need to learn that and understand it. If we do, we can keep God's peace. So how do I keep God's peace? And I'm almost finished this morning. But this one last section. How do I keep God's peace? Let me give you some keys. First of all, God's peace must be enforced remember a few minutes ago I told you that the only authority God has in your life is what you believe him for the only authority the enemy has in your life is what you believe him for do you know what you what's constantly going on in our lives the enemy is constantly hammering us trying to find out what do you believe and once he finds out that you know what you believe and you're not moving off of it and you're not going to give in he'll walk away and leave you alone now, somebody here said, well, that's a pretty, pretty novel idea. That's what he did with Jesus. He hit him in the wilderness, threw all this temptation at him. And Scripture said when Jesus stood and wouldn't give in, Satan left him for a season waiting for another opportunity. He comes to him in the garden, trying to talk him out of going to the cross, trying to interfere with God's plan. What makes us think that we're not going to be challenged? We are going to be challenged. Because you know what the devil wants to know? The devil wants to know, what do you really believe? Do you know what God wants to know? What do you really believe? What do you, so we got to learn to enforce God's peace in our lives. So let me give you some keys. First of all, talk to God about things. Let's look at it. Philippians chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, you need to have these verses underlined in your Bible. We'll have them on the screen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. But I want you to look at this. The Apostle Paul said, be anxious for nothing. Can I put it in my words? Don't worry about stuff. 
Don't worry about stuff beyond your control. If you can't do anything about it, don't worry about it. Be anxious for nothing, but in some things, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Prayer is talking to God. Supplication is, God, we need to have a really intense conversation. There's stuff going on here. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. What are you saying here? He's saying, talk to God about everything going on in your life. Because if you don't talk to God and you don't keep things straight, what happens is the enemy gets in that crack in your life. He begins to drill. He begins to pound. He begins to drill. He begins to pound. And the first time you open the door and you say, well, I'm not so sure about this, bam, he starts hammering on you. Yeah, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to steal from you. I'm going to take away from you. The first thing you know, we're letting circumstances take away our peace in God. Talk to God about everything. Thank him for his goodness. Verse 7, then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Where's the battle going on? In your heart and in your mind. In your heart and in your mind. So where does God's peace need to be enforced? In your heart and in your mind. In your heart and in your mind. What happens when you talk to God about things and you pour your heart out? God shows up and begins to talk with you. He begins to encourage you. You begin to feel better about things. God begins to take care of the heart issues. But then there's still the mind issues. It says the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. When your emotions settle down, your mind tends to settle down. Can I tell you a little secret? Another one's little nuggets along the way. I had to learn this many years ago. I, I told the story in a, a message I preached probably a year ago. I, can't, I don't have time to go back to it today. But I had to learn years ago that there are times when stuff comes up unexpectedly and I started getting butterflies. Certain kind of things just you know, bring butterflies. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all of a sudden you start getting anxious. You start getting concerned. You start to worry about it. What do you do? Number one, you talk to God. Did you know, listen closely, we are spirit, soul, and body. If you're a child of God, your spirit's not upset because it's eternally safe. You know God. You're walking with God. You know his presence. You know who he is and what he is. But your mind and your emotions sometimes get stirred up. We have to learn to deal with our mind and our emotions. I've learned that when I start getting those butterflies and I start getting really uptight, you know what I've learned to do? I've learned to take authority over my emotions and over my mind. I command you in the name of Jesus to just settle down. God's got this. He's going to take care of this. It's going to be okay. Butterflies, I command you to leave my stomach and leave me alone. Mind, I command you to settle down and stop worrying about stuff that you can't do anything about. That's God's job. You know what I found? When you learn to do that, you start doing that, what happens is that stuff starts, starts going away because they know you mean business. You know what you're talking about and what you believe. The peace of God, it surpasses understanding, keeps our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Another thing we need to learn to do, to read a little bit further, second thing, we need to learn to meditate on what Scripture says. We need to start thinking what God says and not what everything else says. Think about what God says. Think about those promises. Think about those promises. Begin to read them. Begin to recite them in your heart. Begin to recite them with your mouth. Sit there and think about it and meditate on it. Go over it. No, the word meditate means to mutter, just to say it over and over again until it begins to get inside of you. And all of a sudden you begin to understand this is true. This is real. Aaron and I were having a discussion one day this week about spiritual things. I know some of you didn't know that worship pastors ever thought about spiritual things. But Aaron and I, I'm kidding. Aaron's in the back eating donuts somewhere back there. Uh, watching me online I always have to pick on Aaron if you're new to the church okay he won't take it personally um, we're, we're having this discussion and he was asking you know, we're, we were reading some Old Testament verses and he says you know how does that it, it applied then how does it apply today and we were discussing the, the theological side of that and the doctrinal side of that Hebrews tells us that the word of God is alive some of us think, well, the, the Word of God is just ink on a page. No, it's not. If you think it's ink on a page, that's all it's going to be to you. But if you understand it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, it will even help you discern and understand what is flesh and what is spirit, what is soul and what is spirit. It divides it so you can understand it. 
If we meditate on that, it begins to let God's Word get bigger and bigger and bigger in us, and the problems get smaller and smaller and smaller until the Word of God just buries the problems. Right in the middle of the storm. But here's what he says in verse 8, the same chapter. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. We need to think about what God thinks. That's a novel idea, isn't it? Well, how do I know what, God's think, what God thinks? He told us. He filled a book full of stuff to tell us how he thinks about things. Let's see what God says about it, and let's start saying what God says, and let's start thinking the way God thinks. Meditate on these things. He goes on to say, the things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. I love that Scripture calls him the God of peace. If God is in your life, he's a God of peace. He's not the God of fear. He's not the God of confusion. So you need to let him be God. Talk to him. Meditate on the Word of God. Then the third thing, I'll just mention it quickly. Isaiah 26 talks about this. You don't need to turn there. We need to learn to trust God. We need to learn to trust God. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When you keep your mind on God and his word and what he says about things, it establishes trust in your heart. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God, Jehovah, the Lord is everlasting strength. Trust in the Lord. How do I trust in the Lord? Take that impossibility that you're wrestling with in here and that you're wrestling with up here. Take that impossibility. Take that storm. Put it in his hands and let him deal with it. Because that's his job, not yours. And finally, the last thing, the last thing we could do, we need to make sure we monitor God's peace. Monitor God's peace. You need to know the condition of your heart. If your heart starts getting upset, if your heart starts tossing, if you feel the storm going on inside of you, if you begin to have questions and fears and things start stirring, if you don't deal with that, that storm will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm going to tell you something. Fear is like cancer. It eats and it eats and it eats. It doesn't stop anywhere. It just eats everything in its pathway. You have to deal with fear. Monitor your heart. Colossians 3.15 says this. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule. It's the same word from which we get our word umpire. Let the peace of God determine what's in your life, what's not in your life, what belongs, what shouldn't be there, what decision you should make, which way you should go, which way you should not go, to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. God's called us to live in peace. What's going on in your heart today? What's going on in your life? What's the condition today of God's peace in your life? We shouldn't expect anything in our hearts and our minds but God's peace. But when other things come along, go back to number two and start enforcing and establishing God's peace in your heart. It's a process. It's a process. And today, I, I want to pray two prayers in closing. Number one, some of you are here today, perhaps, and you've never really gone to the cross and made a commitment to the Lord. The worship team's going to come out and join us. But, but as they're coming out, maybe you've never really made a commitment to God. Maybe you've never gone to the cross and fully and said, God, I believe and I want Jesus Christ to be my Savior and become the Lord of my life. Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship with the living God through Jesus, His Son. God wants to put His Spirit in your heart. He wants to be your Father. But he needs you to invite him in. He's extended forgiveness and grace. He will wipe away everything that's wrong in your life. Bam, that fast. He'll wipe it away and never even think about it again. But he needs you to reach up and receive it and say, yes, God, I want it and I take it today. So I want to pray a prayer right now. And I, and I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask everybody in the house, bow your heads. Everybody pray this prayer right out loud. You don't have to scream it, but pray it right out loud. Just, just say these words with me. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. So I open my heart to you. 
please come in. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He was raised from the dead. And I want him to live in me. So I give my life to you. Come into my life. Bring your peace. I want to know you. And I want your blessing every day of my life. I will learn to follow you. You will be my father. I'll be your child forever, throughout eternity. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Amen. Can we just put our hands together and welcome people into God's family right now? now I know we're getting close on time, but we, we still have plenty of time. We're not in a big rush, okay? I'm going to ask everybody, unless you have to move, stay with me. I want to pray for everybody in the house today because I know. I, I deal with storms. Storms come along sometimes. And like I said earlier, I hate it when you don't deserve them. But I want to pray for you today. Maybe you're going through a storm or maybe you haven't yet learned how to establish God's peace. I'm going to pray that these principles will sink in your heart today. What we've talked about, you'll understand them. You'll make a decision to enforce God's peace and you'll begin to walk in the peace of God. Let me pray for everybody here. Father, in Jesus' name. God, this is not magic. It's not superstition. It's what the presence of God does in our lives. God, I pray today you'd just come in and fill our lives with your peace. Father, I come against the spirit of fear. There are some people here who are afraid. The enemy is tormenting them. I command it to stop now in the name of Jesus. Satan, stop tormenting. You don't have any right here. You have no place here. I command you to get out of that heart, get out of that mind, run away with your circumstances because God is bigger and God's going to establish his peace in this life today. Father, right now, just let your spirit just blow the fear right out of their lives. Let your peace just come in and overwhelm them. Let it, let it just come in like a flood. Father, we trust you today. We trust you. We believe you. We know you're going to take good care of us. So we just extend everything to you today. We believe you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, I want the worship team to do that one song they did earlier about God's peace. I want to ask you to do something with me. We're not finished yet, but stand to your feet for this one song. I want you to worship God as we sing these words. As they hit your heart, just worship God, and let's just give God honor and praise together today. No 